0: Welcome to Executive Tools, Executive Priorities Versus Calendar Chaos, Part Two. This cast answers these questions. What goes on in an executive calendar? How do I find time for what I need to do? How can I make more time for my priorities? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. Let's go to our next section, which is the actual establishing of your priorities.
1: Yeah, this is one of my least favorite types of casts at manager tools and executive tools because in the middle of the cast, it has a 10 part series buried (laughs) in there. Right. And I don't like, we don't like doing that to people. We like them to come out of this and go, okay, I know exactly what I need to do and I can do it. We will get to all that stuff, but I'm not going to diminish. I'm not going to try to dodge around, okay, magically. You know, I wave my magic wand and poof, um, priorities appear. But so this is going to be establishing your priorities to be the source of future exec tools guidance. We do recommend you review our guidance on getting your goals from your boss as a starting point because that was written with the idea that it applied to all managers, including executives. Now, as an executive, folks, you will be expected to embrace a much wider range of possible priorities than a manager would. As an executive, it would be unlikely that your boss would tell you what your goals would be. Now, you might think that getting your goals from your boss would then be moot, but don't think that because one of our pieces of guidance in getting your goals from your boss is never walk into your boss's office and say, hey, boss, what are what should my goals be? You have to do the hard work of figuring out what you think they should be and present those to him or her so that they can provide you guidance and either throw them out, which By the way, it might be a good thing if you're that much off or say, yeah, those are fine or make some edits to them. The executive is expected to know his boss's goals and then on his own figure out what his organization needs to do, support the boss's goals. Unfortunately, too many executives don't communicate downward very well. A lot of executives spend a lot of time focusing upwards, and I won't say anything more than that. And it's unfortunate. It is deeply unfortunate. They forget that they're leaders of an organization. They want to be the leaders of the organization beneath them. They want to be leaders of the company, but they don't want to be leaders of their part of the organization. Now, look, if you're at a loss for setting priorities, a good place to start is the book Measure What Matters by John Doerr, D-O-E-R-R. He describes how to use OKRs, Objectives and Key Results, which have been popular for the last several years. And I just want to make a quick shout out here to Peter Drucker, the guy who invented all this stuff, because OKRs are popular, but they're a direct descendant of something called Management by Objectives, which was invented by Peter Drucker in
0: 1954. How long ago was that, Mike? 50? Well, 60 see, years. Uh, see, 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 68 years? So 70? Almost, not 60, almost 70. Yeah, 69 60. years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's getting there.
1: Yeah, in fact, Andy Grove, the CEO of Intel, very celebrated CEO of Intel, was a big, huge Peter Drucker fan. And Drucker talked about management by objectives and, and Grove ended up calling it Objectives and Key Results, which essentially was Intel's way of dealing with MBO, management by objectives. Now, whatever your priorities are, remember that they aren't priorities if they're not communicated. Because remember, your priorities are by definition your organization's priorities. Hopefully, if not, yeah. you've got yeah. a real problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you and I have seen it, right? Well, a lot absolutely. of executives working independently. So this means briefing your boss on your priorities and briefing your entire organization on your priorities and probably giving stump speeches routinely in your organization saying, here are the things. These are what we stand for. This is what we do. Here are our numbers. What are we doing? You have to go back and back and back and back. Now, once you do have your priorities, they go on your calendars. And if you listen to or read executive missteps, chapter one, calendar chaos, you may remember our guidance about delayed control. And just briefly, I just want to highlight a couple of things from that cast. If you've forgotten, delayed control means not worrying about the next three to five weeks on your calendar. I'm speaking to those of you who have decided I need to do something about this. And then you look at your calendar and say, well, I don't have time to do this. You're right. You don't have time to do it right now when you're going to take control of your calendar it's going to take you 5 to 6 weeks to get there okay so when we say delayed control it means you will not have control of your calendar for the next 5 to 6 weeks but by then you will have total control over it it means basically ignoring anything that happens in the next 3 to 5 weeks because let's be honest you've been a, a professional for 10 15 20 years
0: now 5 or 6 more weeks is yeah, not going to hurt you've been you been bad for 20 years what's another few weeks Yeah, so right now today- More motivational guidance from Mark Horstman. (laughs) Yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) The dark mark returns. So right now today, look at your calendar three to five weeks from now, and you'll discover there is way more time on there three to five, six weeks from now than there is today. And frankly, this week and some of next week is probably already full. If you try to start adding stuff now, right now, there's no time, okay? So forget about the next month. Look out three to five to six weeks from now and ask yourself, what do I think I should be doing? It might be putting in place your organizational operating mechanism. If you don't know about that, it's a future series of casts from executive tools. It might be a restructuring, but maybe not your first thing, hopefully. It might be a new product or a new service or a new budgeting process or a hiring effort. And right now, start putting whatever's most important in that list of your future priorities on your calendar five to six weeks from now. Whatever it is, the initial meetings with your team to figure out what it's going to be and what the project is going to look like and how much going to cost and going to talk to finance to get the budget and so on. The dirty little secrets of calendars is basically first come, first served. The reason that everyone feels so busy is we've all given over control of our calendar to others by not living our priorities and only living one to two weeks into the future. As an executive, you got to break out of that. So buried in the idea of delayed control is an important lesson for executive priorities. You now have, based on this timeline we're laying out, five to six weeks to figure out your priorities. By the way, this cast was written pretty quickly after the Calendar Chaos cast because of the questions I got. And I we decided to deliver it fairly soon in the year. I think this is coming out in the first 15 days of January so that if you decided you wanted to do this, early on in the calendar year might be a good time to do it. Although generally speaking, in most well-managed organization, just determination about next year has already been made by Christmas. I do remember the one company though that said nothing happens in this company in January because that's when we're all writing last year's performance reviews. I just thought that was an incredibly interesting thing to say. I would love to compete with that company. So, no executive's boss would be surprised if you told him, I'll have my priorities figured out and communicated within six weeks. Okay. Because they think you should have it now. So, if you don't have it, six weeks, okay, good. I'm not saying it's easy, but that's about how much time you have. Because even if you tried to take less time, you wouldn't have time to change the priorities on your calendar. The things
0: on your calendar, and you'd be stuck doing old stuff. I'm going to take a leap of faith here. Okay. After that, because we could spend a lot of time on priorities, and folks, you should take more time on it. But let's let's say you figured them out now, and now i I have my calendar. Five to six weeks from now, I want to use it to leverage my priorities. I'm going to put on my calendar my priorities. These yes. two hours, I'm working on. The sales presentation for the, yeah. com- the coming quarter, for example. Right. But, dude, all the meetings that I have right now, all the requests for meetings that I have, all the stuff that's filling up my calendar right now is not going away five or six weeks from now. So how can I possibly do this? You got to help me.
1: Wait, wait, I don't understand. You're saying the things on your calendar
0: now ex- still exist five to six weeks from now? The same things, the same type of stuff that is ends up Filling up my calendar. Ah, yeah. I'm gonna have those same pressures five to six you weeks are. from now. Yes, but isn't that why you wanted to get
1: promoted to executive? So you could resist some of those pressures, so you'd have the power to resist those pressures. But I think so a lot hard. of executives it's I know. So yes, hard. it's so good. I love I knew you're gonna do that. So yeah, I think a lot of managers wish for executive power and then continue to behave as if they only have managerial power. So the answer is. Those things that are on your calendar now, you'll notice, by the way, that they've only been on your calendar for the last two weeks. If you start putting time on your calendar now for your priorities five to six weeks from now, that then will be on your calendar and you will have a defensible position when four weeks from now, somebody sends you a meeting request and you could say, I'm sorry, I I can't do it. I've got this and this and this and this. I can. I got to tell you, I mean, I'd love to, but I can't. Yeah, you decline outright. That's our next step. bit of guidance. Yeah, you say no. That scares me. Oh, well, you know, it's interesting you say that because a lot of people tell me they're worried about what they're doing. And I say, you don't get paid to be comfortable. You definitely don't get paid to be comfortable as a manager. And gosh, heaven forbid, if you get don't get paid to be comfortable as a manager... By definition, you wouldn't get paid to be comfortable as an executive. You might associate comfort with an executive level position. Oh, I finally got this. I've got this special pension. Ooh, I've got some additional this. I've got a bigger office. I've got an admin or so on. No, no, that's the wrong kind of comfort. That's selfish comfort. In fact, people talk to me all the time about power. I say, you don't don't want power. What you want is responsibility. Because by the way, it's only a really, really wicked or evil system that gives people more responsibility than they have power. Or more power than they have responsibility. Uh, Every once in a while there are petitions that go around. Uh, I assume it happens all over the world, it certainly happens in America, where people are petitioning for children to have rights. And the the founders of the country would turn over in their graves because you cannot have a human being with rights without responsibilities. And children are not given responsibilities, um, and so, therefore, they don't get rights. If you have people who have rights without responsibilities or responsibilities without rights, you have chaos. Um, And so, executives have the responsibility. Some people say, well, yeah, look, they're better off than me. Yeah, but that's not how the company manages or measures things internally. And so you now have the power to say no. And managers have experienced this. You and I both have experienced this, Mike. We would ask for time or we would want to get time from somebody more senior. or We would expect someone to look at a document we created or a plan or something. And they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, are, people write to me and say, so, you know, I've tried to get on my CEO's calendar for months. And he clearly doesn't think I'm important. And I I say to him, no, it's not that you are important. You're just not as important at these 17 other things. And at that level, there are people making decisions about how important things are. And people just can't get out of their head, their own biases about
0: the kinds of choices that executives have to make. Even though they'll be the first to complain about being in meetings that are just a complete waste of time, right? And have no impact. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: So let's progress to some tactical ways to protect your calendar from those requests for time, which are not your priorities. And as we say, the easiest of these is simply decline all calendar requests that you believe don't support your priorities. Now, many managers, again, say they can't do this. And you've learned things at the bottom of the organization that don't always apply at the top of the organization. And if you continue to behave as a manager, how will, you con- how will you have time to behave like an executive? Trust us, folks. You not only can do this, you are going to have to, and your fellow executives expect you to. Okay? If you get asked when you decline, when you just click no, and by the way, that should be a key sign, if it's as easy as just clicking no. Some person thought it would be easy to get your time by just sending out a request. Seriously? In other words, you open your door every day and scream to the world, I'm available. Anybody wants to take my time, you can do it. Nobody does that. Nobody believes in that. And yet that's exactly what calendar invites do. They're just so easy. It's so efficient to send an email with a calendar invite to somebody who maybe well outranks you. You know, somebody two levels down or a staff person who thinks they're at your level, but they're really not, sends you a meeting request. You not only can turn That's that It's a great down, thing. You're gonna it's have called a request. Go. That's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, look, if you get asked about your decline, when you decline, just click no. By the way, in many cases, they'll just have the meeting without you and you won't have missed anything. And if you really did miss something, somebody's going to tell you. Believe me, somebody will tell you. But look, if you get asked, you can work your way down our recommendations and the rest of this guidance. And frankly, what I did was, if I felt strongly about it, I simply repeated the denial. And I said something to the effect that the request doesn't make sense for me in my organization. It doesn't make sense for my organization's priorities. And I've got other commitments I've got to keep. And I like the word commitments, it's a good word to use because it covers deliverables in addition to meetings. And what people look at when they look at your calendar, all they see is the meetings that are on your calendar. Now, I'm going to say something here that I think is really obvious, but I'm going to just put a pin in what is really, really obvious here. Sometimes the things that go without saying need to be said. When we're talking, Mike and I are talking about putting time on your calendar. We're suggesting blocking time for priority number one. You can call it something else if you want. You can call it sales process development. Or you could call it customer analytics review or whatever you want. You could have some rough ideas of what your priorities are. I I don't recommend you put four or five hours at a time on your calendar. Generally, 90 minutes to two hours is probably the most you can ask for. And of course, definitely don't double book yourself. It's just lame. It's just so bad. You Can't do that. But just put them on your calendar now for five to six weeks from now. Even if your priorities change as you go through the process of figuring out what your priorities are, you can then go in and change those times. But now people are going to be looking at your calendar going, you know, this this person has no time. But But if they did and you didn't have anything on your calendar, you could still say you have commitments that week. Because again, there could be deliverables you owe to your boss, or to somebody else, or to a customer, or to or to subordinate for that matter. In addition to in addition to all
0: your meetings, well, let's talk about commitment real quick. Because I find that often people have a problem with honoring commitments to themselves. And I'd make the oh, argument yeah. that if I know my priorities and they're based upon my boss's priorities, like she's I figured them out and she's confirmed them or she's told me. Right. Anyways, whatever. I, my my priorities are legitimate. If then if I have commitments on my calendar, deliverables that I have to produce to make those commitments, then those commitments are as valid as any other commitment I get from peers, my boss, or anybody else in the organization. And I feel completely comfortable then saying, no, I'm sorry, I can't make the meeting. I have a commitment that I got to get done by Tuesday that precludes me from going to that meeting.
1: Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. And here is what the people who are good at sending out meeting requests uh, from their keyboard believe. They believe that that commitment is not time-specific. And the only things that are time-specific is when you're meeting with another person and you can't meet with another person unless you both agree on a time-specific, a specific time to meet.
0: Unless I have a plan for my own deliverables that say, exactly. I have to have this done by Tuesday, right? Then yes. who's to say that there's not a time commitment on it? Yeah.
1: And, and actually you could say, and look, this is due Thursday. And yes, there's time on my calendar Monday and Tuesday after Tuesday. And you'll notice both those times are in the morning. That's when you want this meeting. And I do my best work in the morning. And this is a presentation for my boss. You cannot have my time Monday or Tuesday morning on the week that I owe my boss the single most important report I've ever done for her. You cannot. I'm sorry. You can can trump me if you want. Go talk to somebody else. Have somebody much more senior than me tell me I have to come to the meeting. What they believe, seriously, is, is they're applying to you as an executive, probably what they are doing themselves as a manager, which is to say, All my meetings take priority, and all my work gets done in whatever time is left over. That's the whole point. When people Mm -hmm. say I'm back-to-back in meetings, the point that they're making is not that they have too many meetings necessarily, although that's certainly true. It's that they don't have time to get their own work done, and their own work gets short shrift, It comes out low quality, or they end up working incredibly
0: long hours. As if the meetings are, by definition, the big rocks. Yes, exactly and then but
1: and, and they're not. And the meetings are a big rock because of the digital system that we employ, and it's essentially put flipped on its head the way we should be thinking about our time, which is again, our most precious resource. Now look, you may get further pushback, and you may choose to make an exception and ask for the meeting to be delayed. You could do that. You could do that, certainly. You can move it far enough into the future that your calendar appears to be open, even though you know you'll be busy. Quite often, this won't work for the requester, but it's their responsibility to deal with their priorities, and it's not your responsibility to deal with their priorities. Yes, there are certain requesters that you're going to bend over backwards and make exceptions for, because those people you want to have strong relationships with them. But I can't tell you how many executives end up in meetings and walk out and go, they tell their admin who's walking back to the off the cubicle with them, we're never doing that again, because the meeting was crap. And there's no reason why this senior or person should have been in that meeting. And they hadn't learned the lesson yet. And we'd rather save you a year of going to the wrong meetings and realizing you're going to try to get your priorities done, the, cl- the important thinking, the deep thinking, the staffing, the work that needs to be done to figure out whether it's going to be X or Y or Z between five and seven in the evening when your decision-making ability is crap. It's impossible. Now, look, the fact is we can't say yes to everything. So we have to say no to some things. And therefore, we need a message of deciding. What are we going to decide? How are we going to decide on yes versus no? And the answer is our priorities. Now, look, this is general guidance about just saying no. So there are some exceptions worth keeping in mind. Beyond your work responsibilities, you've got family responsibilities. You handle those responsibilities, your family responsibilities, as your first priority. Your most important work priority ought to be your second priority. And the way you handle family priorities is limiting your calendar obligations past certain times of certain days. Now, you won't be able to keep a nine-to-five schedule, but you can limit how much incursion your work responsibilities make into your family time and on what days of the week they do. Yes, you have to create and maintain relationships, and that takes time both for your job priorities and for your career. may include lunches or drinks or just get-togethers with others with whom you wish to start or maintain a good relationship with. The way to think about both your career and family responsibilities is to make them part of your personal priorities, which by the way, your personal priorities, a safe and loving and healthy family relationship and strong professional relationships will pay big dividends on your primary work responsibilities. But your personal priorities are separate and somewhat private from your role responsibilities. So our guidance is try saying no, just say no, you can. And here's another departure, Mike, you can say, you can tell everybody you two times in one podcast, you should do this.
0: Oh my Lord. I know. Right. I
1: know. It's big. It's we'll big. Talk we're later. talking about executive life and priorities. The next 03
0: right? is getting and longer, and longer,
1: longer yeah, and longer. Exactly. Yes. Just a raft of negative feedback coming from my partner. Um, and look, hopefully you've already figured out that if you're excited about your priorities, if they compel you, that's the definition of compelling, they compel you. It'll be much easier for you to defend them against counter incursions. If you really have your priorities right, you won't argue with us about saying no. You'll be like, "Oh yeah, I'm saying no because I got this thing. This thing is so cool.
0: I got to spend time on it to make it right, though." What if you're not sure? What if you think? Yeah, yeah. This meeting again, invited. It's not my, it's, my boss didn't send it out. It's a peer, my boss. I'm not yeah. directly related, but yeah. yeah, it's a relationship. Yeah, ask your peers. If you decline, but you get some pushback or don't know whether to say
1: yes, ask your peers. Hey, are you guys going to this? What, how important is this? I'm new. Is this one of those things I can't say no to? Or, And they all say, I don't know. That means you can say no.
0: Now, if you and I are like peers and working together, I'm going to go like, oh, dude, dude, just forget that. Meaning. Don't, don't go. Yeah.
1: Don't, oh, well, don't, yeah. <laughs> don't go. <laughs> well, it depends on what kind of relationship we have, right? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, what I would do is if I got something, I'd say, look, I won't go if you won't go. That's what I would do. Right. And I oh, think, dude, I I think people go. think. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay.
1: I guess. Yeah. I guess and look, in the first year, you'll learn these things. But why not? learn them while having the tool that you will learn at the end of it, which is saying no to some of it. Why not say no to some now? And you're going to be wrong some of the time. Well, welcome
0: to the human race. Those death cage, uh, those death... uh, Steel cage death (laughs) match match. Yeah, Yeah, you
1: don't need to go to that. Don't worry about it. Your people will be fine. I'll take care of of you. (laughs) And by the way, folks, if you're relatively new to executive tools and the manager tools community, if you don't know what we mean by steel cage death match meetings, so named by our good friend, Dan McGuire, you should go to the manager tools, archives and listen to the steel cage Deathmatch meeting podcast it's a favorite it's a it's, it's a good one yeah. so you can say no you can phone a friend or you can rearrange if you're forced to accept something like your boss saying you have to go to this rearrange your calendar to make it happen remember the items on your calendar that allow you to accomplish your own work, like thinking through plans, strategies, goals, or writing reviews, or preparing briefings, can be moved. That's their beauty.
0: But that's the key here in thinking, though, is just like one-on-ones, right? They can be moved. You just don't not do them. You ha- Right. You have to move them, right? Yeah. It's why we have a podcast called Calendar Soup, which
1: we're, we've learned the hard way that it's best not to title podcasts. With clever names, but I'll never change that one. Oh well, now that you and I are retired, maybe maybe they will change it, but it's one of my all-time favorite podcasts. That the idea in folks, if you're unfamiliar with calendar soup, the idea is your your calendar, your all the items in your calendar are like the ingredients in a soup that you're cooking on the stove. And when you look in the soup and you stir it, the tomatoes and the beans and the and, and the beef and the stock and the carrots and so on are all moving around relative to one another, but they're all saying in the soup and they're all part of the soup. That's the way to think of your calendar each week. If something's on my calendar for this week, it can only be moved to some other time this week. It doesn't get put back into another week. That's how you stay abreast of things and you don't end up 20% of the way toward your annual goals in November as so many people end up doing. And then the fourth item is to delegate. And... You know, we have been talking and talking. We started talking about Delegation Mike in 2005, 17 years ago, 18 years ago now. If you're truly an executive, the people who report to you are potential future executives as well. They can stand in for you in virtually every situation where you get a calendar request. And how do I know that? Because executives go on vacation. And most people know that executives get more vacation because they have more experience. And as you get more experience, you're granted more vacation. I'm not saying all executives take all their vacation, but you can if you know what you're doing. And when you go on vacation, you're not supposed to dial in all the time. You're supposed to have somebody stand in for you. You're supposed to have a number two. And we have podcasts about that. And, and how are you going to, to develop well?
0: your directs to take yes. your job sometime If they don't go to these meetings and sit in for you sometimes. How many times have we told the story of the
1: subordinate that gets promoted to be at the level of his or her boss and they fail and they end up having to take a step back? Although in many places, they can't do that and they end up getting fired. And the reason is because their boss never delegated part of his or her job to them over time while they were subordinate of theirs. So they could learn about what the job was like before they actually had to do it.
0: Yeah. I love this option. This is is my favorite of the bunch. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a it's a, two, it's a twofer. I don't have to go to the meeting, and I develop right. my direct. It doesn't get any better than that. It's like jam and beef together.
1: Jam, yeah, it's good. good jam, good, beef, good. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, we have been saying for decades that failure
1: to delegate is a core reason for most early executive failures. Failing to delegate meeting attendance is a big component of this. You can't go to all the meetings you may want to, or which others want you to, and you don't wanna piss them off. Although you're gonna have to learn to piss people off if you're an executive. In order to have enough time for your own priorities, you have to say no to some meetings and some other people's priorities. When it is somehow a must attend that doesn't align with your priorities, now you need to think about delegating. If you're wrong about the importance of a meeting and your delegate goes and discovers, oh my God, you gotta go, your delegate will tell you that, right? And you'll figure out you got to go and you can go and perhaps making time to do it by delegating to them something that you had reserved for yourself in your priorities. Keep in mind in the executive level, it's unlikely you can just ask someone to go to a meeting for you and take notes. Those meetings do occur, but they're less frequent. As well, you're going to have to teach your directs how to go to meetings for you. You're going to have to be clear about decision authority and exceptions. And again, we'll cover that in a future Exec tools cast. Those are four things you can do, right? Just say no. Ask your peers. Mike, you said delegation is your favorite. And I, I generally agree, but actually saying no is is my yeah, favorite. Yeah, I get that. And, and I also agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Look, let me summarize because we've been going for a while now. As with all of our priority and calendar guidance, we encourage you to make a fundamental shift from passively accepting calendar requests to actively managing your calendar to your priorities. That means not only putting your priorities on your calendar to reduce your vulnerability, it also means actively resisting any calendar incursions. I love that word, incursions. If you start from a no incursion point of view, defending your priorities, you won't always win but you'll win a lot more if you just continue the typical manager's tactical approach.
0: Awesome. Loved it, dude. Yeah, that was fun. All right. See y'all.